you're here. All right. We're talking about thrones. Thrones. Last week we talked about heaven, or what did we talk about? Oh, we talked about mountains and some other things. I don't remember. You probably don't either, but hey. The Holy Spirit will bring it to us if we ever need to. Y'all ready? Actually, last week, I do want to start here. We talked about this idea that in Isaiah we were reading about how there is commerce and trade and travel in New Jerusalem. And that blew my mind when I first saw it and kind of discovered it, but when I think of heaven... Growing up, I always thought it was just a, a church service. Remember talking about that? But now I'm convinced that it's eternity. And how many of you guys understand eternity is a long time? Right? That's a long church service. I don't care how you grew up. But I, I considered the fact that we're going to be actively involved working for God, for the kingdom of God. That is exciting. So tonight... We're talking about thrones, and what better place to start is at the end, Revelation chapter 4. You guys want to hear a couple of uh, interesting, weird, conspiracy, almost kind of things before I start? The Mexican government this past week had a press conference. This is the Mexican government. Did you hear me say the Mexican government? And they had a press conference where they unveiled these two things. Anybody else seen it? I looked into it. It was real. It was a real Mexican government press conference. You notice they're talking about UFOs a lot, right? So they rolled out what they say were alien bodies. They were in class. They're in these glass coffin things that were somehow vacuum sealed or something like that. And they've tested the DNA of these things. You can look it up. They've tested it. It's not human. Um, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was going to say there's, what do they call them, John Doe's? But I guess this is Mexico, so that's Wando. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Angel, that's okay to say that, right? He didn't even hear. So good, I'm good. He said I'm good. Y'all heard Angel say he's good. All right, so anyway, they, they rolled these guys out. But why are they talking? Somebody tell me, you, if you know the answer, you might answer quickly. But why are they talking about UFOs so doggone much nowadays? What's the answer? I've talked about before. The rapture. Who are they going to blame millions of Christians disappearing? You remember, yeah, we're going to go here for before I go here. You remember the Avengers? I've talked about that. Thanos wants everybody to disappear. Did anybody see that movie? Waste three hours and watch it. So the scene where he snaps his fingers, the movie has flashes of light bolting from the earth into the sky. Not only that, not only that, because I went back and looked because it's weird. Not only that, but the clothes are left behind. 
there is a programming happening for the lie that will come when the church is raptured. Because what else are they going to say? Oh, by the way, this is what the biblical thing called the rapture. What they're going to say is many people believed or have believed that this is a biblical thing called the rapture. But what really happened is they found these aliens in Mexico and they found out that they're thousands of years old and they actually have another people that's coming back and get you hear now if they were to roll that out two years ago and say ufos how would we react ufos today the governments are recognizing it as a real thing which by the way what are aliens demons demons or the result of nephilim which is a Genesis chapter 6 kind of thing. But we're talking about the throne of heaven. So if you're new here tonight, like you guys, sorry for all that, but uh, you'll be okay. I scared them half to death at dinner. said, who are y'all? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's the weirdest greeting I've ever had. All right, ready? Throne room of heaven. Chapter 4. Then as I looked of Revelation chapter 4, it's on the screen. Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. The same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly, I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like Jasper, Carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were clothed in white. They had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. In the front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This was the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal i'm going to stop right there and jump into the throne if we can for just a minute first of all before we talk about the other thrones let's talk about the throne of heaven now we see here that the scripture tells us that there is not only one throne but how many there's 24 for the elders and then there is one throne for God. Now, remember that we're going to find out, but remember that the throne for God is occupied by Christ. You with me? Now, there's other times that we find in Scripture where Christ stood and that Christ is occupying the right hand of the Father. So the scene here is a heavenly scene. In other words, it isn't what it is right now. It is what it will be. You with me? So John is seeing a glimpse into the scene of heaven that is yet to come because now God is enthroned. And the, uh, let's see, manifestation of God for us is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ put on flesh. Now, will we see the Father? You know, I don't know. What do you think? I think we'll know 
because God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? But the only thing that I can grasp, which doesn't make a big deal, but the only thing I can grasp is that the only manifestation that you and I have ever experienced, seen, or read about is Jesus Christ as he is the one who became God in the flesh. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Do you think you'll see the Holy Spirit? And if so, what does he look like? A dove? That's weird. You know, can you just picture it? That Jesus looks like us because he put on flesh and now he's in a glorified body and this dove beside him. Now, we know that that was a symbol in Scripture, but I have a hard time grasping that we're going to go to heaven and see the Father, which all of us have kind of equated that to a almost Santa Claus-like figure, big, long, long beard, you know, uh, very powerful, and then Jesus the Son, and, and that's because Hollywood has kind of put that in your head, right? And then there's the dove. I don't know. Is this messing with y'all? Who's upset? Pastor. I don't even know what I'm going to see now. Right. Remember, we are three-dimensional. God is multi-dimensional beyond that. Because we talked about the spiritual dimension. There's angels and demons always battling around us. We don't see that. But that's a whole other dimension. So, I didn't mean to get on that but it makes my mind get blown you know it just makes my mind blown okay revelation 4 let's talk about what the 24 elders are and are not some people believe the 24 elders are the 12 leaders of the tribes of israel and the 12 disciples of course 11 and then the replacement disciple by the way i wouldn't want to be known as the replacement disciple would you I mean, I certainly wouldn't want to be known as Judas either, of course, but, you know, the replacement disciple. Yeah, the 11 of us up here, and that guy on the end, he's the replacement disciple. He, he never really discipled with like we discipled. Anyway, what they are not, I believe, I do not believe that they are uh, the leaders of the, the nations of Israel because some of those guys were real knuckleheads. Think, think, of, think of it. They sold Joseph into slavery. I mean, they were hooking up with temple prostitutes. They were murderers, thieves, and bandits. I mean, they were, they were not quality people. And then the disciples, I don't know if it's them either. I know they're not angels because angels wouldn't sit in a position of authority like that. I also don't believe that they're tribulation believers because tribulation believers are not yet there when we get there from the rapture, right? But here's some things about their characteristics. They sit on thrones, so they are in kind of a position of leadership, even though it's a position of worship more than leadership. They wear white robes. They have crowns of gold. They sing a song of the redeemed. They sing, holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty. They are called... Kings and priests. Kings and priests. Let me jump over here for a minute. Because I believe that there were other priests in Scripture 
there were uh, extra scriptural, let's say that way. You guys realize that everybody that did something great for God is not found in the text. Right? You know, there's specific stories in scripture where it talks about a man of God or it talks about a prophet of God and they are unnamed sometimes. It's almost like if we were to limit it to that, then we would basically say that God was only doing great things at any one location at any one time in the Old Testament because that's all we read about. You with me? Now, the 24 elders are singing this song in verse 6, or yeah, in the center and around the throne were four living beings and we had a, we had a, a thing one time where we tried to draw these, and that was a lot of fun. Each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion, second like an ox, third like a human face, the fourth like an eagle in flight. The, each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out, day after day, night after night. They keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. Why do they say holy three times? Somebody's going to get this right, right away. The Trinity. The Trinity. Because holy is holy, just one holy. But holy, holy, holy is an act of worship of the Trinity, which brings me back to, what do they look like? John only describes Jesus. In the beginning of Revelation, he describes the one who is coming with vengeance. Jesus, his hair white like wool. The, the word proceeds from his mouth and, and destroys his enemies. You see, this description of Christ coming from heaven to fight this battle. We never find described the Father or the Spirit in a physical way. Which, by the way, it says the Holy Spirit depend, uh, descended like a dove. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit was the dove. You with me? The same way that in the book of Acts, when it says the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Sometimes we skip over the sound. We just say there was a rushing wind. There wasn't. But there was a sound of. And then it also says, and there was what looked like fire, tongues of fire upon their heads. So I want to help you with understanding that we immediately run to the imagery of it all. And that's okay, because that's what the Bible's trying to get us to do. The text is helping us imagine. But I, for one, am having a hard time imagining what the Father might look like or even the Holy Spirit when there's a manifestation and I can see it. Because for me, the Holy Spirit is a person. That's what the Bible tells us. A person. But what does that look like? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Yeah, it uses these different imageries, even oil. It's an anointing oil that flows like the Spirit. So it's, I'll put it this way. I think it's easy to assume or it's safe to say we can't, <laughs> right? There's nothing our mind is going to be able to 
put out there. But the elemental thing brings us into the even the dimensional thing, that it's beyond our capacity, right? Let's get back to the throne of heaven. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor to uh, and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, that's said of Jesus, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. Let me, I, I did, I heard, um, well, let, me, let me tell you some of my tricks here. Sometimes I say I discovered or I learned or something like that. Basically, I saw real on Instagram. But then I researched it, all right? So anyway, what I found out after seeing this reel that sent me to a thing and looked at articles is they have now discovered at the subatomic level, right? They've discovered so small what is the building blocks of life. Well, we would say cells, we would say atoms, we would continue to say that. But this table that's up here, if you get even lower than the atoms and even before that, you can get electrons, neurons, all that kind of stuff, there is sound. It is the basis of everything. Waves, sound, which means the way God spoke it all into existence is the beginning of it all. Now, what evolutionists will tell you is that the universe started with a what? A big sound? <laughs> I think they got that part right, but what they got way wrong is the rest of it. Now, the reason is, is because out of nothing became something, but that was God's voice making that happen. Amen? Now, I just want to give you that. That was cool. You can, you can go down a rabbit, a rabbit hole if you'd like to discover more about that. Now, before the throne was a sea of glass. This is the last thing I'm going to talk about for the throne of heaven. The sea of glass. I was thinking about it today, and I've always pictured the crystal sea or the sea of glass, depending on what translation that you read. Um, if you go to the Old Testament, they had this big basin of water in front of the tabernacle, and they called it the sea. They would go and wash their hands in it before they would go into worship. What happens when water is undisturbed? It becomes very crystal, glass-like, right? Just, you can almost, there's a reflection off of it. You've been to one of those lakes or something way out in the country or way out in uh, Alaska or something like that, and you see it and it's just still. Well, I don't know if the Holy Spirit showed it to me or that I, I'm just being weird. The sea of glass undisturbed because we don't have to wash anymore i thought that was pretty cool that now we are in the presence of god and there's no process for us cleansing ourselves because the price has already been paid and we're on the other side of that i thought that was kind of neat now there are some that say that it looks like a sea of glass because it's you can stand on it let's talk about the throne of david The physical throne. Wait a minute. Let me leave that up there for the one person taking notes. 
Revelation 4. The throne of David. The throne of David represents the physical throne that someday will become the throne that Christ was to occupy. Now, the throne of David simply was uh, the throne of the king of Israel, King David, who had a heart after God. We see here that the throne speaks more to the covenant that God was to make. Genesis chapter 17, verse 6, we see Abraham coming into covenant with the Lord. It says, I will make you extremely fruitful. You're fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Many times in Scripture, the kingship, the throne, the covenant, was set out ahead. Now, the, the Davidic covenant, the, what was that? Did somebody sneeze? That was an awesome sneeze. <laughs> Have you ever seen on TV the other day, there was a, it was a European show, which, by the way, European TV, that's just great. There was a European show where they invited, you can Google it. Um, we should do it now. No, uh, there was a European show that they invited people with weird laughs. Seen that? They invited people, you saw that? With weird laughs, and then one of them started, and then the other ones, and then it was chaos. That is worth your, that is worth your time. Look at it tonight when you're up worrying about your life, and then you can go to sleep. <laughs> the Davidic covenant has been a nod in Scripture, has been a forward-looking to a theocratic rule of Israel, or God actually being in position. Now, here's the deal about David. David dropped the ball. The prophets saw David drop the ball and began to see Israel slide into wickedness. And when that happened, they knew that all the stuff said about the line of David, the throne of David, the covenant of David, had to happen through someone else, the son of David, which is Jesus, born in Bethlehem, called the son of David, in that lineage. Which, by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are genealogies in two of the Gospels, Mark does not have a genealogy. Do you know why? Because Mark was written to servants. It is written in a way that is much more straightforward, simple, and even focuses on the power that Jesus operated in. The others, the reason why they carry genealogies is because it was also written to people of prominence that would understand that without a genealogy you're nothing but mark wanted to say even without a genealogy you are something in god that's a side note sorry so we look at this throne of david now here's the deal the reason why this is important is because if there was only a throne in heaven but it was never established on the earth then would it be a complete 
covenant. See, if Jesus was to rule heaven and earth, there had to be an establishment of the monarchy also upon the earth. You understand? He had to walk in the bloodline, in essence, of a monarchy here because he was already the king of kings, right? But he also had to come in and redeem the nation of Israel as well and to walk in a monarchy upon the earth. Now we're going to get to the third throne, the throne of rewards. This is where it's going to get fun. And to start and to preface it by saying this. Well, let's just have a discussion. We haven't had one yet. Tell me some rewards that make you excited. Right now, right here. Don't don't talk about heaven for a minute. Let's talk about rewards. Somebody already said money. Money. What else? Dinner. <laughs> huh? Which one? Vacation. Home. Not just a vacation. Man. I'm gonna put for the common folk vacation. For Jenny back there, we'll put vacation home. Man, name it. Hey, listen, I want you to have this. Whoa! I love it. What else? A raise? Praise. Which raises in there. We'll take that one too. What else? Promotion? Somebody said something else. Time? Knowledge? Knowledge? Time and promotion. Okay. Now, when you say time, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So we're going to say time off. Sabbatical time. I like it. What else? Anybody else like any other rewards? Health. You guys thought I was going to draw a cross, didn't you? Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Help. Anything else? All right, so I say all that to say this. The rewards that we read about in heaven, the only thing that is actually mentioned is what? What does the rewards mention specifically? A crown. Okay? Now, here's the thing. I don't think if I had a crown, I would wear a crown. It seems very clunky, uncomfortable. Wouldn't want to wear it in the summer because it'd probably be hot. Wouldn't want to wear it in the winter because it's scratchy and itchy, right? Anybody ever worn a crown? Anybody want to wear a crown? <laughs> You'll take one? Now, the reason why you want one is because what you want to do is carry it down to the pawn shop and cash it in and get and get this i don't know maybe uh a, now i'm not talking about a tiara some of the ladies you know i wear a tiara that's fine i'm not talking about, I'm talking about a crown a legit metal thing on your head and the reason why i'll say that is not to downplay the crowns but i don't 
think the scriptures are talking specifically about a physical crown, even though that's what it says. It's the crown of, and the crown of, and the crown of. So let's talk about what rewards in heaven might look like. Oh, by the way, we're talking about the throne of reward, also known as the Bema seat, which I think is in a cooler way to say it, because I grew up listening to Petra. Anybody else remember that song, the Bema seat? Come on, I got to have a couple here. You know, the older I get, the less these people know my references. I feel like the guy that when I was growing up was talking about the 70s stuff and Keith Green and all that. Lord help me. I did get to hold my grandbaby today. So forget about y'all. All right. What was I talking about? Be my seat. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11 through 15. Here we go. Verse 11 says, No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on the foundation, on that foundation, may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, and straw. But on the judgment day... Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaped through a wall of flame. Skipping over to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 9 and 10. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, all these rewards, the Bema seats, we find handed out at this judgment seat of christ when i say judgment what's the first thing you think about first word that jumps in your head Hmm? gavel yeah first thing that comes to my mind punishment i'm in trouble judgment now that's the misconception this is not judgment this is a weighing a putting on the of the scales the words are more appropriate to not a judge from a conviction standpoint but a judge more like in a athletic event so the deal is this the winner of the race gets a reward but that doesn't mean those that came in second third fourth all the way up to 10th place they don't get beat up you with me so that's the idea is that we're going to the judgment seat of christ but it is a giving of rewards, not a necessarily punishment. That is set aside for those who do not receive salvation. There's a game that Paul, when he talks about the athletics uh, and makes reference to the running of the race, it's called Isthmian Games. 
in ancient Greece. It, it was a predecessor of the Olympics. And that's what it's talking about is that judge who makes a uh, scrutiny or judgment on who wins that athletic event. Which, by the way, when Paul was writing about that, he was talking about a spiritual contest, spiritual race for us. But the cool thing is, is we need to remember, is that Paul is using this as an illustration because there's rules to be followed. Think of it this way. It's living life between the ditches, which says God's given us parameters to walk by, and as long as we're walking in that, there is freedom to follow his lead and to keep our personality. Amen? For some of us, we can be thankful. For some of us, we might want to let go of that one thing. Just be somebody else. If that's your neighbor, you have my permission to elbow him at this time. But I think... We have this opportunity to follow God within the ditches, within the parameters of his goodness, and to, to uh, get great reward. Now, sin is a whole, thing to, a whole other study together. Some believe that the judgment seat of Christ, and I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I've, I've been taught it and I've heard it, is that this is going to be a time where we all stand in front of the throne and there's a video shown of your life good bad and ugly we get through it one by one and then here's what's left over here's the reward go on into glory i know this was rough for you but <laughs> you know <laughs> i for one don't want to go to that i do not want to attend because it's one of those things that, but there are people that believe that this is, if there's any unconfessed sin in your life, something that you missed, or the day of the rapture, you messed up, or whatever the case may be, or even confessed sin, some people really do believe that there's going to be this reckoning. You know what that's called? Purgatory. When we get to glory, all of that is behind us, amen? Which, by the way, purgatory is a man idea in the 3rd century and then reaffirmed in the 7th century by Catholic popes, priests, and bishops. And, and when they put it out there, it, the, the very concept, if I could just be honest, is very not only strange or odd, but just unbiblical. The fact that, you know, I get to heaven, and yeah, listen, thank you for being here, but there's still some stuff you got to work off. Go this way. You know, give us 100 years. Give us 200 years. Give us 500 years. Because why? You can't go to heaven because nothing, the reason why the purgatory is in, in Catholicism, by the way, is because nothing that's sinful can stand in front of a holy God. <laughs> and somehow... You can only work that off in purgatory. <laughs> Which, by the way, if we could work it off, then is it even grace? Right? If we could earn it, then what are we even doing here? So, the concept of parading your sins in front of not just you, but every believer, and then saying, okay, what's left over is rewards. Can I just be honest with you? Can you be honest with me? If you were to weigh the good and the bad in your life at this point, would you have any reward left? Raise your hand if you think you would. I'm not. 
I'm not. And I, I've been working hard lately, but I still don't feel like I'm able to overcome all of my shortcomings and all of my mistakes. But Christ can and Christ did and Christ will. Amen? And so I just, I just have a hard time believing that. The other side of it is that it isn't necessarily a, here's what you did wrong and here's what you did right. It's a when, God, thank you, my good and faithful servant. Here, listen, you were faithful in these things, and we have the crowns we're going to go over in uh, just a moment. Now, we talk about those rewards. Hold on. Lots of pieces of paper here. Oh, my goodness. You know, I've done this before where the one piece of paper. No, okay, no. Aren't you relieved? You don't get out early. Some of you are praying, please let them lose it. Please let them lose it. Please let them lose it. All right. What was I talking about? Huh? Rewards, crowns. Oh, think of it like Thanksgiving dinner. We all have a tendency to be jealous of others. So, for example, I give you a million dollars, I give you two million dollars. You're like, well, only get a million dollars? No, I, I know that. Well, let's say if I give you a hundred dollars and I give you two hundred dollars, now it's a little bit more relatable um we won't have that feeling in heaven when we're standing in front of the judgment seat of christ when you go to thanksgiving dinner with your family when you're full you stop eating you're not mad at the other family member that's going back up for round number six you're in nap mode you're good you're satisfied think of it that way another way to look at it is this if you've ever had an opportunity uh, or or picture the ball boy at the world series he's thrilled just to be there he doesn't need to hit the home run he's not looking at the star player and saying i wish i could have that there's going to be a sense of celebration of the rewards that not only we got but what they got it's not that old human nature that can be found in the nursery by the way that your toy is better than mine i was happy before i saw what you had now i don't want this I want what you got. Are you with me? Because some of us may tend to believe, at least I have, that there's going to be this parade of crowns and rewards, and we're going to be like, wait a minute. I did that. I fed the homeless. I served at church. I worked the nursery. I did the ushering. I prayed for my family. How come they got that and I didn't? The crowns mentioned in Scripture are... A crown of life for those that have suffered. I can guarantee you, I don't think I will get a crown like that, especially in comparison to what the apostles did and had to go through in the book of Acts, to what the Christians are having to go through in communist nations and in places where there's great persecution. I'm not going to be in that line. The crown of righteousness for those who loved his appearing. In other words, those that leaned in and were very uh, conscious and aware, looking towards the rapture. The crown of glory for those who fed the flock. I'm kind of hoping I make it into that one. I want to be able to experience that. And it is specifically mentioned in Scripture for those that operated in uh, caring for the flock, shepherding the flock, and so on. The crown incorruptible for those who press on steadfastly. 
Have you guys ever met or maybe even know someone who just, they don't give up? There's something within them that no matter what obstacles they face, they're going to press through. They're going to trust God for the next thing. I, I can think of people that are even in the room right now that no matter what they face, be it health issues, be it uh, family issues, they're going to continue to serve the Lord because they know that He is still in control. And that is the crown of the crown incorruptible. The crown of rejoicing for those who win souls. I believe that there's many people that will never stand behind a pulpit on a Sunday morning, yet have led more people to Christ than any of us will ever know. Just out of relationship and the enthusiasm for evangelism. I think that's going to be one of the coolest things is on the other side of that Bema seat as we begin to discover, whoa, I never knew that they were doing that. I never knew that they were interceding for me on the weekly. I never knew that they were leading people to Jesus, that they were uh, continuing to do these ministries and support missions the way that they supported missions. It's going to blow our minds of all the things that God has done. Now, let's see. There's another reward at the Bema seat. We've got the crowns, which is more symbolic, uh, at least for our understanding, because it talks about what they are and what they mean. We also have the promise of heavenly treasure. Matthew chapter 6.20, mentioned also 1 Peter 1.4. This is, uh, stresses the eternal value and security that you walk in. Jesus says, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there, where your heart heart is there your treasure will be also we finally come to um, the promise or the reward of accolades and commendations we have um, special responsibilities this is what this is kind of what i want to end on tonight well no i've got one more prone but i want to talk about this one special responsibilities and authority in glory all right so we're at the Bema seat. Responsibilities and authority. In heaven, or when there is a new heaven and a new earth, right? Millions and millions and millions of believers. Sin is no more. The way we live our lives is vastly different in many ways, but I think familiar in other ways i'll put it to you this way we work now will we work in heaven yes did adam work in the garden before the fall yes that is the state of perfection in which god created and that is reverting back to that state I ask you this, if Adam didn't sin, do you think he would have kept living under a bush? Would he have built, built anything? So, are we created in the image of God? Is one of God's attributes to build? He built everything, right? Right? So if we're created in the image of God and God is creative and we are also in part after that image creative within ourselves, did you know that humans are naturally creative? We just, that's part of who we are. 
The animal kingdom is unlike us in that way. Some of them, they are creative in a sense. The birds make nests and the spiders make webs and we have to walk through them at certain times of the year and it's terrible, but it's part of the fall. Anyway, I believe that we will be building, that we will be working, but the difference is part of the fall is our work frustrates us. Would you raise your hand if you've ever been frustrated at work? <laughs> See, it's a reality. Even if you love your job, I like my job, but I get frustrated every Wednesday night. <laughs> no, I've told you guys I love family night. I love family night. Y'all don't bother me. It's the Sunday people that bother me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know some of y'all are Sunday people. It's the 9 a.m. Sunday people. That bother. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's the 1 o'clock service. That's none of y'all. Okay. You didn't even know we had one of those. Uh, no, in all seriousness, I get frustrated too. We all find ourselves frustrated. And sometimes, if I could be so bold, sometimes we're like, why am I so mad right now? Anybody ever been there? <laughs> right? But it's human nature now but it wasn't what god intended to think for a moment that we'll be working for god and not be frustrated yet building creating and doing things for the lord i'm excited about that prospect which brings me to what do you think might be some rewards handed out in glory or what do you want what do you want you know, Jesus would ask people when they would come to him for prayer. What do you want? He didn't use those words, but he basically said, what do you want? And they would say, I want to be healed. I want to be set free. I want you to pray for my son, pray for my daughter. What do you want on the day of rewards? Come on, money don't matter anymore, right? You want your family with you. Well, family. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so, responsibilities. Mom wants to watch her family for all eternity. So, we're back in where you're responsible. <laughs> Here's the scenario. <laughs> Kathy. Here you are. Remember those four boys? Here you are. <laughs> We're over there fighting in the class. Ah, ah, ah. Anyway, what else? What's a responsibility? What what gets what gets you excited now? Management, drawing, painting, playing music. What do you want? Listen, if you come to the throne like this, what do you want, Chris? What do you want? You want to fly. He is the chief of flying. <laughs> Peace. Beautiful. So now, let me help us with this exercise. All those things are automatic. Responsibilities. Do you want to manage the Bojangles in heaven? Do you want to be part of the cooking staff? Do you want to uh, be a part of the, remember, you can build things and you won't sweat and your back won't hurt. And you won't hit your thumb with your hammer, right? 
that's the building. So I'll tell you what I want. I want to be in charge. I want. I want Hawaii. And Alaska. And then I want to be in charge of family night. That's my job. <laughs> All right? Now what do you want? Come on, this is supposed to be fun. You can ask Jesus for anything. Ice cream? Ice cream taster? <laughs> Ice cream? Come on. I like that one. <laughs> I like that one. What you want? Candy? Hey, listen, you have the responsibility of creating, not just being at it, but creating candy land. Listen, one of the good things about heaven is we have glorified bodies, which means what? Metabolism is up here, man. We can eat whatever we want. Praise God. And we just do this and we burn it all off. You want to design robes? I love that. Because you read through and everybody's got these robes. I love that. That's cool. Now we're thinking. So if, the, if heaven, if the Bible says people are wearing robes, then who's making the robes? I want you to think about that. No, it's going to be us. The angels, they just float around. They don't do nothing anymore. No, I don't know. <laughs> but this is, this is a perfect example, if I can just pick on you for a minute. This is a perfect example of saying if that's something she enjoyed, then it is not too far-fetched for us to believe that when we get to heaven, that God has created you to enjoy that. And now you have the opportunity to create and to design and to make these beautiful robes, which, by the way, when we get to heaven, people don't have to wear clothes, but I believe they will because it says they have robes on, right? So just because you don't have to wear clothes don't mean... I just want to encourage you, you know, keep, keep moving forward with that if you feel you need to. Here we go. What else? Authority. I'm the only one in authority? I'm going to be president. <laughs> I, by the way, the HOA from my neighborhood's open, and I thought about it for just a minute. And then the email came out from the old guy. I highly recommend this person. Ah, let them have it. So I'm going to take the U.S. and I'm going to make it great. <laughs> no taxes ever again. <laughs> what, any, anybody else have anything? Taking care of the horses. I love that. That big white horse. I like that. Animals. Let's talk about, what do they call that? Husbandry? Taking care of animals? Why is that called husbandry? Should be wife, wifey. All right. What else? Come on, give me a good one. Okay. Okay. Play football. Because, uh, listen, is it going to be 
Is it going to be American football or football in heaven? Just answer the question. How many say American football? Put your hand up. All right, how many say soccer? Put your hand up. Oh, man. <laughs> Sports. <laughs> hey, you know what? You're going to be the mechanic. Classic car mechanic. <laughs> All right, give me a couple of authority things, and then we're done with this. A boss, just a boss. Lord, I don't care. Just put people under me. How about these guys? I'll take this area right here. These million people. Hey, everybody, come with me. <laughs> right? Can I be honest, though? I do believe there's going to be a structure, an authority structure in heaven. That's part of the reward. Jesus promised his, his disciples, you will reign with me. Paul talks about how we will judge angels and other believers. I need to get to that part, which is the great white throne. The great white throne, let's see, page, throne of judgment. We'll end on a light note. Judgment. The actual judgment. Hey, here's the thing, guys. I want to encourage you. If you do not know Jesus, walk in relationship with him because you want to avoid this one. The great white throne is after everything. Tribulation, millennium, Everything. All of the unbelievers who have ever been will now rise and stand before Christ for judgment. They will also stand before, according to what the scripture teaches us, in uh, Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now this is, this is hard for me to wrap my head around. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 through 3 says, or let me go to verse 2. Don't you realize that someday... We believers will judge the world. And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things? He's talking about a dispute. It says, verse 3, don't you realize that we will judge angels? So surely you must be able to dissolve, resolve this dispute. In Matthew chapter 19, he tells his disciples, I tell you the truth in the age when all things are renewed, the Son of Man sits on the glorious throne. You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So, the great white throne judgment could have other thrones and other judges in place operating under the authority of Jesus. Is that a stretch? What say you? Y'all know? How many of you guys think they'll have, there'll be more than one throne? Raise your hand. How many of you guys think there'll just be one? Raise your hand. How many of you guys think nothing because nobody raised their hand for nothing? <laughs> Hope you guys vote next time it's time to vote. Go to the voting booth instead of sitting at home. I ain't doing it. He's going to pick on me. Yeah, Dave. Yes. Yes. That's the great white throne. 
because we are with him in the millennium reigning with him and then every knee shall bow every tongue confess depart from me i never knew you come into your reward that's that moment but we would have already been and also you have to remember that 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 is also functioning this is this might be confusing but it's not when you think about it that functions as the bema seat for those that did not get caught up those that died during the tribulation which are millions it's the greatest revival that's ever happened that will function go to your reward and judgment for the others now i'll finish with this thought the thrones of course representing the a physical place but they hold eternal significance for us the bema seat for the believer the great white throne for the non-believer but there will come a time and come a day when jesus judges now for us that is reward for us at the rapture right we believe i believe that we'll be caught up soon praying for it hoping for it but if we're not then that happens at a at a later date but the dead in christ rise at the end of times and then we face that as well at the same time as the unbelievers make sense all right let me pray lord thank you for tonight thank you for the thrones uh that are represented in scripture thank you lord that we want to lean in and learn more about you i pray god that you would even now in our hearts and in our minds Help us, God, to understand these deeper truths as we discover, Lord, who you really are, who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.